And a pleasant good morning with Eton Thomas. I'm Danny Shays for Centers of Attention. And uh, we got a really fun show for you tonight. As you know, there's been lots of activity out in the sports world. And today, Eton and I are going to take it a little bit different. We're going to talk about some of the specific issues. We're also going to be talking about how those issues kind of played out in our careers. Uh, getting, you know, some of our our war stories from back in the day. And uh, as a quick note, Eton, uh, you know, that John Wildhack issue about the jerseys coming in wrong. Uh, when I was in... <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't know if you remember, but one time, uh, th- this was kind of a funny deal. It was Troy Tulowitzki night, if you remember the great shortstop. Okay. Uh, and so they printed 10,000 jerseys, and nobody noticed that Tr- Tulowitzki uh, was spelled wrong uh, <laughs> on the back of the jerseys. <laughs> That's hilarious. So I, I, you, you can I probably understand it with Tulowitzki, but again, you think somebody would have checked, you know, make sure that all the, all the, all the consonants were there. Uh, right. So that got to be a, a pretty fun deal. Actually, it was a, it, w- it was kind of an eBay sensation, you know, like just like when they print a coin with the guy's head upside down. Uh, yeah, so the so the the, the misspelled Troy Tulowitzki jerseys were were among the most popular of the year. Well, I got a better one for you. Last season, uh, they they spelled Buddy Bayheim wrong. Yeah, you remember that? I they do spelled remember that. Be- How you spell Bayheim wrong? Of all the, of all the names to, to misspell. <laughs> I want to know who spelled Bayheim wrong on the jersey. Actually, That's I, I had a know. game when I, when I was with Phoenix. Uh, Danny Anage was our uh, our two guard, uh, so so they had replaced Danny Ainge's jersey, and uh, yeah, somebody got the got them out, the 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 letters mixed up there. But uh, <laughs> but we're no, we're gonna have a fun show here today. Again, there's been been kind of some fun stories, so we're gonna we're gonna regale you with some of. Uh, uh, some blast for the past here, so you know some some great stories. So let's start with 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 Shaq and Kobe, right? That's been gotten okay. a, you're getting a lot of play, as you know they've had, uh, you know a, a love hate big brother little brother, you know Shaq carries Kobe around when they win the championship. Kobe's the alpha dog. They then have the falling out. They go back and forth. Shaq does the diss, you know the the diss uh, rap song uh, that actually was was so diss that. I don't know if you remember this. The Miami police pulled his badge. If you remember, Shackleton was in law enforcement and was uh, an honorary policeman. I didn't know and they that. Pulled, they pulled his badge. Yeah, he uh, you know, talked about Kobe kissing his, you know what, and uh, uh, and Shaq released the, you know that big rap that well, diss track. Lord. And uh, I know they pulled his badge for that. They pulled his badge. Yeah, they uh, was was not a big hit. So the, of uh, all the yeah, things so, that. Okay, I won't go there. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> go pull exactly. Well, right, right, this I won't was, go there. This was twenty years ago. You know, I mean, it was okay. Uh, okay. The people were you know, a little sensitive about you know back then, but um, you're, you're right. Of all, you know, it's not like there's not enough drama in politics, right? Uh, and we may touch on that a little bit, just uh, uh, not the politics part, but you know, some no, of the drama you. part. But but you know, look, we've all had teammates, and, and people have this misconception that teammates are best friends. That they, you know, to be good teammates, you go drinking together, you go to dinner together. You hang out on the yeah. road. You do, you know. Not always that way. Uh, I think Mm-mm. we've all had some situations where, uh, you know, you guys can be great teammates without necessarily being buddies. 
Of course, of course. I mean, you know, when you, your team, it's like it's like a coworker. You don't like all your coworkers. You just work with them sometimes. You know what I mean to get the job done. You have to, that's what you have to do. Um, no, but I've seen so, and and it's interesting because people are having this strong reaction over the Shaq and Kobe that they got into a fight, and it's always interesting to me how people who don't play sports react when they hear about fights, and it's like. You know, people who play sports know fights happen all the time. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's what happens. These get heated. I mean, I had guys even coaching my son's team where I've had to separate guys sometimes. And they're little cats. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's just what happens. But I think people make too much of a big deal of it sometimes, to be honest with you. Well, you, I mean, even some of the greatest teams in history. I mean, let's go back to the bad boy Pistons, if you remember. Mm. You know, Bill Lambeer was one of the most disliked guys in the league. Uh, Probably so, on Earth. I mean, from, from, road to, you know, from the road teams, right? Everyone hated Lambeer. And yeah. I remember Isaiah Thomas was asked about it. And he said, you kidding? Even his friends don't like him. Right. You know, nobody likes Lambeer. <laughs> and, uh, uh, you know, when Rodman was coming up, uh, you know, talk about fights. You know, I got in a few fist fights with Rodman during games. Did you? Uh, we, we weren't teammates. Uh, mm. But... Uh, you know, but I got actually twice we got dusted into it. And luckily, you didn't get thrown out uh, for fighting back in those days. You know, ah, and, good old and, days. But you know, <laughs> but basketball players are the sissiest fighters. You know, so, yeah. So they, you they see are, a lot of swing and misses. <laughs> exactly right. Run behind the big guy and you know start pointing. You know, as everyone separates you. You know, it's like you, yeah. you say something, you do a fake a fake swing, then you run behind some seven footer and yeah. you know, look over his shoulder, talking all smack. But there uh, have been some good ones though. There, there I didn't know couple, about you and Rodman. I didn't yeah, know. Rod, Rodman like he prides himself on getting under people's skin. I mean, that's right. like what he what he t- tell me a little bit more about what happened with you and Rodman. I'd like to hear a little bit more details on that one. Well, as you know, I was you know I played a lot of my career as a you know as the enforcer guy on the defensive end, the physical player, right? And uh, mm-hmm. uh, and Rodman and I were you know head to head a lot. Uh, you know, whether it was him or Lambeer, uh, I, did, I didn't match up with Mahorn much. It was usually Rodman or, or Lambeer, but, but, uh, you know, Dennis aggressive going to the rim, right? Obviously one of the most, you know, the, uh, you know, fearsome offensive rebounders, Tasmanian devil-like offensive rebounders, and I'm mm-hmm. a box out guy. Right, so I'm not chasing balls down. I'm putting a, I'm putting a body on him. I'm you know, you know, backing him into the stands. I'm you know, as soon as that shot goes up, you know, forearm in the chest and, you know, stand him up, uh, you know, all that. So we used to go at it physically, and and you know, he'd be swinging his arms, and and you know, before you know it, you know, a, a spare elbow, you know, grazes the chin, uh, you know, a box out, knocks the wind out of you, you know, mm-hmm. and uh, uh, you know, maybe you get uh, you know, get a box out on the side of the knee, trying you know, as the guy goes to spin, and uh, you know. Things get a little heated, so yeah, I, I uh, chipped his tooth once ah. uh, with an elbow, and uh, you know, as he was trying to, you know, get inside with his elbow, so uh, so we got into it once for that one, and then uh, you know, one of those loose balls going out of bounds, both guys wrestling for it, uh, uh, you know, roll around on the floor deals, but uh, <laughs> uh, so yeah, yeah, but uh, but we always had, but you know, the, the the funny part is. You know, it was always a you know pat on the back and uh, you know way to work. You know, it wasn't it was never taken as a you know I hate your guts. It was like right. no, I'm getting this one. No, I'm getting this one. You know, and then at the right. end of the day, it's like hey, you know, way to hustle. And uh, so <laughs> when Kobe was talking about the respect from Shaq when he got in the fight with him, uh, you know, there was you know that you know that kind of you know thing at the end of the day. It was funny. Uh, well, I got a funny story. So I'm 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 a young player um, playing with the Wizards, 
And, you know, Jihadi White is the center. Everybody know, remembers Jihadi White from Georgetown. He was a monster when he was at Georgetown. Goodness oh, gracious. Yeah. Uh, yeah, the, you know, but he, he was Well, the that's enough with, to get in a fight. He was from Georgetown. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. Uh, but but he, he, so he's the center with the Wizards. And so he came in. We're playing the Lakers. And he got in foul trouble kind of quickly. So then, you know, and I hadn't been playing a lot. It was like my rookie year. You know what I mean? I really hadn't played a lot. So coach said, all right, the time you're in. I was like, I- I'm in. Okay. You know what I mean? He's like, you got Shaq. I like all right, so I go out there, and then you know you just with Shaq, you just fighting for your life, honestly. Exactly. You know what I mean? Trying not to get dunked on or something like that. So I'm pushing it, and the whole my whole job is to push him. You know what I mean? To bang him and stuff like that. So it was one time, a shot went up, and I and I and I banged him, kind of when he wasn't looking. And he kind of stumbled back, and he looked at me. And I was like, um, it's just my job. It's not personal. I'm just doing what Coach told me to do. And he said, he said, all right, young fella. And, I, and, that, and then that was it. And I was like, okay, phew. Because I remember seeing this dude swing on, who was it? He swung on somebody and missed. And I swear, if he would have well, hit well, him. Well, he and Barkley got into it big time. No, no, it wasn't Barkley. It was, um, okay. was it was it Dudley or was it McLeod? I'm trying to think of who it was. But he swung on, oh, was it Brad Miller? It, it, it was a white center. Yeah, I'm trying to think of who it was, but he swung on him so hard. If he would have hit him, he'd probably still be on the floor right now. Exactly. You know what I mean? And I was like, yeah, I, I don't want no problems with you, Shaq. <laughs> I'll be honest with you. I'm going to fight you with all this, and we're going to bang and stuff like that. Make sure you know it's just business. <laughs> exactly. Well, so, so a little six degrees of separation, Shaq-Syracuse connection. So when Shaq left Orlando to L.A., uh, mm-hmm. You know, if you you remember that whole time, you know, and, and uh, we'll talk a little bit later about some of those turmoil uh, things that happened in our careers too. When you, you know, see the Nets changing ownership, et cetera. Right. So when Shaq goes to L.A., there's obviously the you know, among the biggest holes in in sports history uh, when he mm-hmm. leaves. So they brought in originally the Magic signed Felton Spencer. If you remember, big seven footer, uh, yeah. played with the Jazz at the time. Uh, you know, it was just a banger guy. You know, just kind of as a placeholder, and then. Uh, I ended up getting signed as the uh, backup. I was you know, one of the oldest players in the league at that time, probably 30. Oh, you was the upgrade. I was the upgrade, exactly. Yeah. And then Felton, they <laughs> traded Felton for Ronnie Cycli. Oh. So the ulti- at the end of the day, Shaq left and was replaced by two Syracuse guys, me and Ronnie. So, wow. uh, so Ronnie and I were, the, were the, the little Syracuse six degrees of separation. And last trivia story, Ronnie and I, ironically, also had the same birthday. Believe it or not, a few, oh, a few, few years apart, but uh, both had the same birthday. So, uh, okay, last Ronnie Cycli story, and I'll let it go. <laughs> As you know, Ronnie played a lot of his career in Miami. You know, when he came out, played his you know, first whatever it was, seven, eight years there. Mm-hmm. Very. He still lives in Miami, there. doing great. Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, so, I, my wife and I were down there one spring, just you know, just hanging out, vacationing. I had some relatives. My grandfather retired down there, et cetera. So, I'm in some deli. It's two in the afternoon. Place is quiet. And I see the, some guy at the bar talking to the waitress. Waitress comes over, says, uh, excuse me, uh, aren't you Ronnie Cycli? And I go, well, actually, I'm not. Uh, you know, it does, it, it, you know, every once in a while, you know, people do ask, but uh, I know Ronnie very well, not him. Oh, okay, sorry, sorry, sorry. So she leaves, goes back, talks to the guy. A minute later, she comes back. She goes, are you sure you're not Ronnie Cycli? <laughs> I go, I'm sure, you know, Ronnie's got big, bushy eyebrows, heavy, you know, heavier foreign accents. Uh, you know, he grew up in you know, Lebanon and Greece. I'm not Ronnie. 
Okay, 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 good. So a minute later, she, you know, she's talking to the guy again. She comes back. She goes, you know, if you just signed the autograph in the first place, Mr. Cycli, we wouldn't be having this problem. I'm like, no, she didn't believe you. So <laughs> wouldn't believe me. So I said, all right, fine. Uh, uh, okay. Uh, you know, I was trying to be left alone, but that's fine. I got the paper. What's your name? Jenny. Okay, dear Jenny, go screw yourself, Ronnie Cycli. <laughs> <laughs> and that's why I got to sign Ronnie Cycli, right? She, she, she was. I couldn't then sign my my ID. I wasn't going to pull out my ID, right, right, right. So you know, I'm I'm just kind of being. You know, by that time I'm a little salty, you know, and, and uh-huh. uh, so so poor Jay. That Ronnie Cycli, what a jerk. What a this, what a <laughs> so I I'm thinking later I better tell Ronnie in case you know she calls right. the team or something. So I ended up running to Ronnie the thing, and uh, I tell him the story, thinking he's going to laugh. Right, mm-hmm. and I said, "Look, just be prepared if you get if Jenny calls up and complains it was me, <laughs> and you can front on me all you want. Don't worry about it." And he goes, "Oh, that happens to you too. I hate that. People think I'm you." And da, 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 da. I'm uh, like, "That's Damn, funny. It's, it's not that bad, right? It's not like I'm some axe murderer." <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, because every time he'd come back to Syracuse, I'll go, "Hey, aren't you Danny Shays?" And he'd get all pissed. I'm like, right. "Really? It's not that bad, dang." That's funny. <laughs> That's hilarious. <laughs> so, that, so we ended up playing together a few years later, uh, in uh, uh, with the you know I told you with the magic and uh, you know it was it was of course funny then but uh, uh, but uh, he was yeah he was not buying it. That's hilarious. You know that I always got confused with was Brian Grant, and you uh-huh. know I think yeah yeah all the time you know so much to where. You know, my wife would be like, well, I guess I could see that a little bit. I was like, dang, you too? You know, <laughs> it would happen all the time. So I talked to I talked to him one time after the game. Uh, we was playing when he was playing with Miami. And I told him, I was like, you know, people always come up to me and ask me if I'm you. He, and he said the same thing. Yeah, anytime yep. I'm anywhere in D.C., New York area, they think that I'm you. And he, <laughs> he's a great guy. I have a lot of respect for him. But that's, that's, that's funny. <laughs> well, this, uh, we uh, – one time the uh, uh, starter came out with those little action figures. You know, they were maybe uh-huh. uh, three inches tall, little plastic action figures. And they sent me a box of them. And I go, you know, that's, the, you know, I like that, but I look like John Conkak. <laughs> and, and I don't look a thing like John Conkak. But the thing had like kind of blondish hair. And I'm like, it's my action figure, you know, jer- Nuggets jersey and all that. And, I, and years later, I actually met the guy when we, who did. Did the deal for the for the NBA uh, when I was doing some stuff with NBA, uh, you know, with the, the uh, NBA Entertainment, you know, their product line, and mm-hmm. it, and I asked about that. He says, "Yeah, we, we ran out of your head, so we had to put the last thousand. We put John Conkac's head on it. That's funny. and I'm like, you got to be kidding me. I mean, okay, I get all white guys <laughs> look alike, but I mean, that's pushing this thing too far. You that's know, funny. I don't, I don't look at, but I do. I still got it. I got an action figure with my body of John Conkac's head on it. You know, it's like go figure. <laughs> all right, we're gonna take our first break here on Centers of Attention. Danny Shays and Eton Thomas. We're gonna come back. We're gonna talk some NBA free agency. Maybe the White House will find a way to sneak in, and uh, we'll be back after this. This is Centers of Attention with Eton Thomas and Danny Shays. Danny Shays and Eton Thomas with Centers of Attention. And I uh, just had a fun time talking about some old NBA memories. But there's actually some, some kind of a little bit of action in the NBA. It's a quiet time, but there's still a bunch of free agents out there looking for homes. Yeah. And including uh, our very own Carmelo. Yes, yes, and I'm looking forward to it. Hey, I want to give a quick shout-out, though, to Chris Vartadipo. He just tweeted me and said that it was Brad Miller who I was talking about who Shaq 
swung at and almost put to sleep. So shout out. like to get feedback from, from the listeners, so that's great. But there's been news that has just come out that said, in addition to Hashim Thabit, uh, Carmelo Anthony is expected to join the New York Knicks' informal five-on-five scrimmages at Columbia University this morning, according to league sources. Now, for me, I think that would be great. Um, I, I, I would like to see Carmelo retire a New York Knick. Um, that's me personally. So I, I have my New York Knicks bias because I grew up a, a diehard Knicks fan. And I think that what he did for the organization and stuff like that. Remember when remember when Iverson came back, you know, and they gave, they let him retire kind of a, a, a 76er, you know what I mean, at the very yeah, end? I would like to see absolutely. that happen with Carmelo. I'm with you. I think that, uh, number one, the Knicks need something to talk about, um, you know, as it's kind of a secondary thing. But mm-hmm. Carmelo has, has certainly earned, you know, earned that spot. You know, he's been, uh, you know, was great for the team, did everything for the team, uh, you know, great uh, – be a part of the you know the New York uh, ecosystem, and uh, uh, so so I'm with you. I'm, I'm looking forward to him, you know, getting a nice spot and ending well. Because you know you got to remember, very few athletes in the big picture end well. You know, not many guys are John Elway and ride off into the sunset after winning the championship. Um, you know, for most guys, their careers end kind of badly. I mean, you know, for me, but just my my unlisted number started to work for the first time. You know, and. Uh, <laughs> You know, have a, when I ran the Retired Players Association, this, probably a third of the guys don't even know they're done. They just don't get calls anymore. And yeah. even even star players, you know, very rarely does it end on a high note. Maybe, you know, the the, you know, the team fell apart, or you know, they you know, and there's they get moved along, or they just kind of end unceremoniously. You know, even guys like Charles Barkley and you know, uh, you know, big you know, Patrick. We were talking about Patrick yesterday, and right. you know, very few guys have their careers you know end well. Iverson was bouncing around, and and so uh, yeah, so I mean, I think that that's something you know. Look at Dirk Nowitzki in in Dallas. I mean, you, you know, guys who earn that should get that, and I think Carmelo is definitely in that group. I definitely agree, and I think it would be a good move, a good PR move by the Knicks. You know, the Knicks have taken some hits. You know, after after KD not going there and Kyrie uh-huh. not going there, I mean, I can even go back to everything that happened with with Oakley. I mean, I myself was upset with 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 Dolan right. and everything like that. Ever after, right. so this would be a good move, and it's interesting talking to former players. And we're gonna we're gonna have to get one of the former players on the show to talk about this in even a little bit more detail, like John Wallace. I, I talked to John Wallace because I wanted to get his perspective of Dolan because I was I was about to start the fire Dolan campaign I'm gonna be yeah. I, I was the yeah, I was yeah. an angry New Yorker you know what I mean fan who 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 was upset after KD didn't go there and Kyrie didn't go there I I was I admit I that's where I was but a lot but you know I had a great conversation with a couple of former Knicks and they said you know a lot of people point the finger at Dolan when the finger really shouldn't be pointed at him um, and he's not responsible for a lot of the things that people think he's responsible for. And I would like to get a little bit more depth into that conversation myself because I myself, I, and I have to, admittingly, I point the finger at Dolan for a lot of stuff. You know what uh-huh. I mean? I'll be all the way 100% honest. I do. But I, I would like to hear the other side. But my point was that this would be a good PR move for the Knicks organization to bring Carmelo Anthony back. Absolutely. I mean, there's a, there's a, there's uh, there's always a bunch of free agents. You know, it's kind of like a musical chairs game at this time of the year. Teams have a spot, and there's you know ten guys for 
for four spots, and then one spot goes. Now there's nine guys for three spots, you know, and and there's always that that kind of thing this time of year. And uh, so, you know, I'm, uh, you know, but it's again, you and I both been scratching our heads on on why you know Melo can't get a better sniff. Uh, it's funny about the Dolan thing though, because you know, when you look at teams that have been perennially bad. You know, mm-hmm. when the Clippers went 20 years without making the playoffs, right? When, right. You know, now in Phoenix, they went from being one of the premier, should be a premier team, uh, haven't made the playoffs in whatever it's been, eight or nine years. Mm-hmm. Uh, when the Knicks go through the doldrums. You know, you look at, uh, you know, top down, right? There must be some culture thing. And uh, I know in Phoenix, there's so much talk about the ownership there. Um, you know, just players not liking them, guys leaving because of him. And, uh, of course, the Donald Sterling thing, it was the place where he left from, not the place he went to. Right. And, uh, but, but the Knicks, right? I mean, it should be the premier franchise, should be the biggest yes. draw, should be all yes, those things. Yes, they should. And, yes, you know, all they, of that. <laughs> they've struggled for 25 years. It's, uh, you're playing in MSG. You know, they put a billion dollars into the arena. It's New York. It's, you know, the whole thing. It's, it's remarkable that they can't, uh, you know, it's developed as a place you, you avoid, not a place you want to go to. Well, I think a lot of people talk about the curse of Patrick Ewing and, and, and the way that they did Patrick Ewing. They, you know, I mean, and, and I will say for uh, for the umpteenth time, you'll hear me say it again, that Patrick Ewing should have never played in another uniform except for a New York Knicks uniform. I will say that forever. You know what I mean? So it's uh-huh. so there's a lot of people say that everything went bad after that, you know, and it's like it's the curse, the, you know, after how they treated Patrick Ewing. But I, I will say that it is time for the Knicks to have some kind of positivity. I mean, everybody was kind of hoping that they would that they would get the number one pick. That didn't happen. You know what I mean? Everybody was looking for them to get Zion. That didn't happen. Even though no disrespect to, to AJ Barrett, I think he's going to be a great yep. player, and I think he's going to do very well. But everybody was kind of hoping that they would get you know Zion and KD would come and then Kyrie would go there and then you'd have this big three and then you'd be you know that was the anticipation and when it didn't happen it's just like let the air out uh you know what I mean of a a balloon it's like oh goodness gracious so as you can hear I'm I'm an emotional Knicks fan just like the other New Yorkers I say whatever their (laughs) transgression I think they paid for it so uh let's let's cross our fingers something something good happens there Uh, right right but yeah, a couple other guys, Joe Johnson, another uh, you know star player, looks like he uh, you know is going to get a few looks at uh, and he uh, should. a little bit older guy at uh, at uh, thirty eight. And you mm-hmm. know, speaking, you know, speaking of New York, it's been interesting because the uh, uh, you know as the valuations of these teams has just gone through the roof. You know, with with all the new revenue coming in from right. um, you know they've gone from you know millions to hundreds of millions to billions. Uh, you just saw the Nets owner uh, Mikhail Prokolov. Who had um, you know was the majority owner there for I don't know what it's been now 15, 10, 15 years uh, mm-hmm. is selling his his position to the minority owner so they're going to kind of unify that uh, ownership between that and the arena uh, so that's uh, you know bringing a little more uh, kind of transition to that Nets team and uh, you know it's interesting about uh, you know about the NBA because sometimes you get these you know these big tsunami events. That just come in and, and, and change things overnight. Uh, you know, I was with the Nuggets uh, when they were sold in the middle of the year. The guy who owned them at the time, Sidney Schlenker, had paid $20 million to buy the team. No one could believe that NBA team could go. It was the, by far the highest price ever paid for a team. Uh, he owned it for three or four years, a bunch of money, then sold it for $60 million, which nobody could believe anyone would pay that for a, for an NBA team. Right. Know, now it sounds, like, it sounds like a pretty good deal, but... Uh, <laughs> 
Uh, but you know, you've you've had uh, you probably had a couple of coaching changes, or uh, uh, the, the the biggest one for me. I was in Miami, uh, Pat Riley's first year down there, mm-hmm. and uh, toward the trade deadline, he you know he you know how Pat he's always tanking you know, moving the roster around. He traded seven of the twelve players uh, in one day. Uh, it turned out it was the day we were playing the seventy-two and ten Bulls at home, <laughs> and uh, we had to bring a guy off the injured list, so we dressed seven, which I think is the minimum. Uh, so we played the 72 and 10 Bulls after trading half the roster. I had been there. I just been signed. So I was only there like three months. I was now like the fifth long, th- fifth longest guy in the team, and uh, we ended up beating them. Rex Chapman went for 42. I think the I think the Bulls were hung over, thinking that they were just going to cakewalk. And mm-hmm. but it was one of the craziest days in my career. You know, like I said, it just showed up. Everybody was gone. And uh, uh, and oh by the way, you got the 72 and 10 Bulls coming in tonight. Oh, wow. That was a lot. <laughs> that was a, big that was a lot. I bet. I bet. Yeah, I mean, you know, when you have something that, that, that catastrophic happen, like a change, I wonder how that's going to affect the team after that. Do you know what I mean? I mean, because it's like it's almost like if you when you get brought in to play for a college and then the coach leaves. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And, and this is this is who you've met. Like this is who you you know developed a relationship with. And this is you know it, it's kind of like when when LeBron went to the Lakers and then Magic stepped down, and then everybody was kind of like, well, dang, well, why was LeBron so kind of upset about it? You know what I mean? But it was like, mm-hmm. well, a large portion of the reason why he went there was was because of Magic. Now, of course, that's a special situation. But, exactly. I mean, you're going to have people feel that when, when Coach Beheim retires. You know, you're gonna. I mean, I don't, I don't know when he'll retire. He might be when he's 95, 100 and years old. He'll retire at his funeral. I think they'll announce his retirement. But speaking of that, most people say that usually, you know, he's going to stay for when Buddy, you know, as Buddy stays. And when Buddy graduates, then he might retire. But I could very well see him staying past that. I don't know. We'll see. Well, what is exactly. your prediction on that? What's well, your prediction? I mean, look, he's got a great gig. You know, it's. I know he's a golfer, but how much golf can you play? I remember talking how to Chuck Daly about that when he retired, when he was doing TV. Mm-hmm. And he's like, yeah, you know, how much golf can you play? So then he ended up coming back coaching in the 70s, Chuck did. You know, and I play, got to play for him in Orlando. It was awesome. All right, we're going to yeah. take another break here. Centers of attention, Danny Shays with Eton Thomas. We'll be back after this talking some more NBA, some more history. All right, we'll see you in a few. This is Centers of Attention with Eton Thomas and Danny Shays. Uh, with Eton Thomas, Danny Shays here with Centers of Attention, and we are back. You know, Eton, I saw something. You know, being an old school, I'm a you know ancient black and white school guy, uh, <laughs> okay. with my dad being one of the pioneer players in the league. You know, uh-huh. when, I, when I see things, you know that that kind of re- bring us back to the you know to the original. You know the players because you know those guys are like World War II vets. You know we're, you know we're losing them and and uh, you know that connection to history uh, is starting to go. But Bob Cousy was was honored uh, at the White House with a with a Medal of Freedom, the highest award for a civilian. Uh, and uh, President Trump had him in, gave him the award last week, and he's really you know Bob's a funny guy. I've I've you know known him off and on for a long time as. For most people know, my dad was a pioneer player in the league back in the 40s and 50s, and and so those conversations, you know, especially hating the Celtics, uh, was a daily conversation in my house. But uh, 
but but <laughs> but Bob's a funny guy. He his comment, you know, they were saying all these nice things about him, and uh, uh, and he came up and he said, "Well, if I know my eulogy was that good, I would have died first. But uh, <laughs> you know, but uh, so nine, 91 years old, and uh, you know, they had him up at the White House uh, and gave him that that award, and you know, it was great to see that. You know, like I said, it's uh, uh, I've gotten over my celticating uh, over the years, and uh, you know. And you know, I've had the chance to spend time with with Bill Russell and you know with Kuzi mm. and John Havlicek, who just passed away, and uh, you know a bunch of those guys knew Red Auerbach, uh, you know, kind of my college years and, and early early years in the NBA. Uh, and I have a, a kind of a funny history. Like I said, my my dad was a pioneer star, but I was actually uh, named after the inventor of the twenty four second clock, Danny Bizone who uh, was the owner of my dad's team at the time, the Syracuse Nationals. And uh, the, the kind of the founding of the, or the, the creation of the shot clock was one of the, is one of the great stories in history. And Danny was ultimately inducted in the Hall of Fame as a contributor for that. And, and really that single rule saved the NBA. And uh, I remember when I was in high school, I had the pleasure of, you know, back then, of course, there was no pro team in Syracuse. And uh, there was an ex- exhibition game in Buffalo. And uh, a buddy of mine and, and Danny Bison and my dad all drove to Buffalo, you know, so I got two hours in the car each way, uh, listening to the, the old timers talk about the stories. And Danny told me the, you know, from the horse's mouth, the whole story of the, the, the creation of the 24 second clock and, and what it meant to the league and how the league was dying. And just kind of the quick version of it is that there were two rules that were ruining the league. One is if you're, uh, you may remember if you're, I don't know if you're that much of a historian, but there used to be a one shot foul. If you're fouled in the act of shooting, it was two shots. If you're fouled non-shooting, it was a one-shot foul, and you'd actually take one shot. Oh, and with I no shot clock, yeah, with one with no shot clock, if you were behind at half, the you know if the you know, the home team or the leading team would stall, the you'd foul them because you know they can only get one shot, and you get the ball back. So then, of course, the other team would foul you back because they didn't want to give you that advantage. So the the game started, you know, it would you play for a half, then it would get into a free throw contest, and and the games got very boring. And there was there was finally one game that that broke the camel's back. Ended up ended up nineteen seventeen. I think it was Minneapolis, and I forget who the other team was. And uh, uh, you know, so that really spurred the league. And Danny came up with this concept that if you took the number of average shots per game. Divide by 48 minutes, he came up with 24. And if a team took a shot every 24 seconds, then you'd have the same style of play you have now, but it would get rid of that issue. And they tried it in Syracuse in a, in a uh, summer exhibition game, and it was so popular, it got adopted right away. It's one of the great innovations in all of sports. And, uh, you know, to be able to, you know, spend time with those kind of old, old-timers, old uh, you know, to me was just an awesome thing growing up. Uh, oh, you that's know, great. So for you, like, who'd you look at growing up or when you came into the league, who was on the way out that you said, damn, I got to play against, you know, Bob Lanier or Kareem Jabbar or whoever it was, you know, that uh, those are the guys for me that I got to play against when I was a young player. Well, I always admired um, athletes like Kareem Abdul-Jabbar and Bill Russell, um, you know, Mahmoud Abdul-Aruf, Craig Hodges, you know, Muhammad Ali. Those are athletes that I grew about, grew up reading about and, and having a lot of respect for for reasons outside of, of basketball. Um, and, you know, the fact that they use their platform to really stand up for what they believe in. I mean, that's they inspired me. I mean, our, our, I'm touring all over the place, you know, with my with my new book, We Matter, Athletes and Activism. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I got a chance to interview all of them. Um, I interviewed, I sat down with Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, sat down with Bill Russell, 
You know what I mean? I sat down with Muhammad Ali's daughter, Layla Ali, you know, and Craig Hodges and Oscar Robertson. And, you know, I, it was really an honor for me to be sitting down talking to them about, you know, their courage and, you know, the backlash that they received and mm-hmm. how they stood up for what they believe in and everything like that. So those were really the athletes that I grew up admiring um, a lot. And it was just a, it was an honor. It was such an honor to be able to, to have them in my book. You know, exactly. And, and what an yeah. awesome period of time. I mean, you talk about uh, you write the courage that it took for those guys to come out and, uh, you know, they had to be superstars. You know, they had to be, you know, the, the biggest of the big to be able to, you know, to live up to that withering pressure. I mean, even even Muhammad Ali. I mean, look, look how his career was derailed, mm-hmm. uh, you know, for his activism. But, you know, even even Jim Brown, you know, the Syracuse running back. Right. Uh, you know, same thing at that era. Dedicated so much of his life to that activism, and and uh, and th- and that's awesome because you know what a period of time to you know to live through uh, and to be in the you know front row of that. You know, I, I get that. That's that's pretty awesome. You Definitely. know, it's funny now you look at teams, uh, you know, and how it's changed. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, teams win a, teams win a championship. It used to be kind of a standard thing. You'd go to the White House and you'd get your your kudos, and they would. Uh, you know, you get your team honored and be like have like a special place, kind of in history. And and uh, you know, it's interesting how that has flipped so much. You know, you have a controversial president, and uh, but the reality is, should it matter who the president is? I mean, it's you know, you're being you know, the team's getting honored. It's you know, I I've I have a very uh, kind of tough time when teams you know stub their nose at the you know, at the president i get it like it don't like him you know like him don't like him is but is that really the issue i mean it's to you know growing up it was always such an honor like that was one of the big things about winning you get to you know get to be honored at the white house and uh, uh you know that's something that's really changed and I, I get I get where you're going, and this is this is my stance. Because I've actually been asked this before. I was actually asked this on C-SPAN um, last summer, and you know what what is my reaction to um, players not going to the White House? Steph Curry um, made the you know the, the entire Golden State Warriors said that they they chose not to go to the White House. You know LeBron said that he wouldn't go to the White House if they win. You know it's, it's kind of become a trend. You know, Megan Rapino said that she wouldn't go interested in going to the White House. You have college teams saying it. And, you know, and, and this is this is this is my stance on this. Um, a while ago, um, when President Obama was in office, Tom Brady decided not to go to the White House. And I, I surprised a lot of people by saying that he has every right to make that decision because I, I am all for athletes speaking up and using their platform to take a stance, even when it's stances that I disagree with. So I can't be the hypocritical person who says, okay, I'm okay with Steph Curry saying it and LeBron saying it, but I'm not okay with Tom Brady saying the same thing just the opposite way with somebody who I supported. Do you know what I mean? So my stance is, I, you know, I, I really, right now, what I've been doing and going all over the country and speaking in different places is I'm encouraging athletes to use their voices, not just to use their voices on topics that I agree with, you know what I mean, or speak to things that I think, but just to use the voices and the power of the athlete. And I'm, I'm, I'm no Tom Brady fan. I'll, I'll tell you all right now. I'm no New England, <laughs> New England Patriots fan by any stretch of the imagination. But I have to say that he had every right to, to make that stance and say that he decided not to go to the White House. That's that's yeah, my I, stance on it. But I think that's a, a little bit different thing because on the one hand, I, can, I mean, it's not at all, you know, to me a, a hypocritical thing to say I can agree with your position on saying that, but personally I think that 
you know, something different. And here's kind of my take on it. If you're Steph Curry mm-hmm. and you've got this incredible platform beloved by, you know, virtually everybody, mm-hmm. and you have a, you got a beef with the president on that thing, why not say, Mr. President, well, I want to come to the White House, and while I'm there, I want an hour of your time to talk about you know how you know this issue affects you know me and my team and this and how what what can we do to you know to transform this and do something else you got the opportunity to i mean you're right there in the guy's office right i mean it's uh i would say instead of because they're not just saying we don't want to go they're saying oh that mf her i'm the, the, the you know and they're really lay, mm-hmm. you know laying it on pretty thick i i get it but look in, in life you deal with guys you don't like as we talked and, about, and, and, I, can, and, I, can and I would take that opportunity to say, "Hey, let's let's really shine a light on this." If you know, if that's my position, I'm going to say, "Hey, chief of staff, I want an hour. I want a press conference. I want to you know fill in the blank, and let's let, let's advance this cause. Let's just not cuss the guy out." And I, I can I can appreciate that that standpoint as well. Um, and, but also, I can't tell somebody else how they can maneuver their their what they're standing up for and what they're doing you know like some people who are saying okay well well you know we're here Kaepernick's point but we don't like him taking a knee you know what I mean or we hear Megan Rapinoe's point and we don't like her taking a knee or we like we hear John Carlos and Tommy Smith's point in the 68 Olympics but we didn't like them doing the black power salute um you know while they're at the Olympics I mean I, I can't I don't want to dictate how a person um uses their platform but i will say this though you know craig hodges who i interviewed he talked about doing just that when he went to to the to the white house and and handed a letter to uh then um george bush and he consequently was was blackballed from the nba after after doing that um now of course it was a different nba because david stern is a lot different than adam silver and Mm -hmm. that's a whole other discussion we could have but you know i i I would go back to my point of saying that you know i can appreciate athletes using their platform for whatever they're speaking about what was the guy that, that that just got drafted to um to the 49ers and i can't think of his name i'm picturing him right now but he he's 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 um he's a trump supporter he he scrubbed all of his his um his social media there we go nick bosa there we go nick bosa so so i and i actually wrote a piece about this in the guardian and i said you know after that happened i said you know i i can't say that nick bosa doesn't have the right to support whoever he wants to support just because i don't support who he supports do you know right. what I mean? I, and and so he was calling. Um, he was very strong with some of his language. Um, he talked about you know Obama supporters. He talked about he had very and he and he was scrubbing it all. And everybody was saying, well, yeah, he should delete it all. I was like, well, wait a minute now. You you can't you can't do that. He has every right to be able to support who he wants to support and say it the way that he wants to say it and everything the same way that everybody else has a right to do. You know what I mean? So I'm exactly. I'm for athletes using their voices. I can't just say only when you agree with me or dictate how to use it. I just I just can't do that. Exactly. And and I'm 100% for, uh, in agreement. My only point is to say I have an opportunity now to go to the White House and maybe use my voice for something else. I would con- you know, I would look at that as a strategy. Uh, and again, no way diminishing anyone's right to to speak out because like I said the and the guys you mentioned in the 60s, wow, what I mean, what it took for them to stand up uh, right. was was awesome and made a difference, right? How can right. and it was I'm not very popular. How can you make a difference? I guess that's that's the angle that I'm coming from. In, in All right, we're going to take another oh, break, oh, yeah. and okay, uh, okay. yeah, and we'll be back in a minute to wrap up uh, Centers of Attention with Danny Shays and Eton Thomas. This is Centers of Attention with Eton Thomas and Danny Shays. We are back, Centers of Attention. Danny Shays here with Eton Thomas and. 
You know, Eitan, I wanted to, we'll, we'll just finish up here thinking about that um, uh, when we talk about, you know, you're interviewing the guys who made such an impact in the social scene, uh, you know, during the civil rights era. And, you know, me growing up with all these old time players, everything we are is because of the guys who came before us. And, you know, everything mm-hmm. we've built is on that. You know, I just had a, uh, want to say, you know, a farewell to my first coach, Tom DeSalke, 87, just passed away. Uh, and, uh, you know, you think about just kind of, you know, here we are, you know, we've, we made it all this way and, and just take a minute to think about and appreciate and thank the people who came before us. So, uh, so Tom, uh, you know, I learned a lot from you. He was one of my, like I said, my first coach, an old school guy and uh, coach, of the, one of the former coach of the year. So uh, rest in peace, Tom Nasalki. So thank you again. We'll be back tomorrow on Centers of Attention, Danny Shays and Eton Thomas.